Welcome to Lineage. I'm your host, Shani Jamila. On this show, I'm talking across generations with some of our most imaginative thinkers about how New York City impacts their work and how their work impacts the world. Today, I have the real pleasure of talking with one of my teachers, the artist Otto Niels. Otto is a painter, sculptor, and printmaker who was born in South Carolina in 1930. His work can be found in collections including the Smithsonian, Howard University, the Studio Museum, Ghana National Museum, and the private collections of Congressman John Lewis, Harry Belafonte, and Oprah Winfrey. In this episode, you'll hear him in his element, in his home studio, surrounded by his work. We talk about his practice, all the changes he's seen over the 90 years he's been on this planet, and the influence of artists like Robert Blackburn, with whom he studied printmaking, and Lawrence Peter Dorsey, who established the oldest continuously active Black-owned gallery in New York City, and also the place where Otto and I first met. It's always a joy to share time with him, and it's a personal pleasure to be able to share his genius with you. And now, on to the show. So, Otto, one of the things that I want to talk about in this podcast is the idea of home and how artists in particular relate to the idea of home. Um, right now, we're actually recording this interview in your own home right. here in Brooklyn. Yes. Um, can you tell us a little bit about how long you've been in this particular space? I think close to 42 years. Oh, wow. Yes. So this is... Is Brooklyn where you consider home? Because I know you're actually from South Carolina. Right. Uh, Brooklyn is home. Besides uh, Carolina, there's Brooklyn. Mm -hmm. I came here uh, when I was about four or five years old and lived in Brooklyn all my life, except for the Army years. So let's actually start at the very beginning then. Do you have memories of South Carolina since you moved here so young? Oh, yes. I have a few memories, you know, when I was young, you know. And um, uh, like I said, it was about four years old, mm -hmm. and I can recall uh, uh, being cared for by a cousin who was about eight years older than I. Mm -hmm. And there's a very interesting story about that, because uh, David Niels, who um, uh, you know, who, who cared for me while my parents were in the fields working, uh, came along to Brooklyn when we moved up to Brooklyn. In fact, we we stayed with his family in Brooklyn, on Prince Street in uh, downtown Brooklyn. Mm -hmm. And I can recall watching him paint and draw. And I related this to a lot of people. It's been recorded in books. Uh, whenever I'm asked about who was my influence, I would always say David Niels, right? And it was only a few years ago I took a tr he'd uh, relocated back to Carolina, built a house and so on. And so I went back to see him, and I took along this book by Elton Fax called uh, uh, Black Artists of the New Generation, and in which uh, I'm included. And I mentioned in the book about David being, you know, the influence. Of the, uh, and I showed him this part, and... Uh, and he said, what are you talking about? I never drew. <laughs> and I thought that was really uh, crazy, you know, because all my life I've been telling people that David was uh, there when I, and, I, 
and I used to watch him draw and so on. And I, I realize now it was probably a dream. Mm. I probably dreamt that I saw him drawing and painting and so on. And I uh, related this to, you know, whenever I'm asked, I would pass that story on. And I found out later on, uh, later in, uh, on in life that it wasn't true at all. So yeah. interesting. I actually read that story myself while preparing <laughs> for this interview. Um, and you were saying that mm. perhaps it was a bit of a mystery. I mean, now mm. when you think about, because you have such an extraordinary <laughs> talent, and then, of course, the discipline to hone that talent into the skill that you created a life around. Where do you attribute that to? Were your parents artists, or do you think that this was My just... My parents were not artists at all. You know, they helped me. They provided tools and materials that I needed, but uh, they weren't artists at all. What did they do? Well, uh, my mother was a domestic worker. My father, uh, he was a barber and longshoreman. Mm -hmm. so he worked, worked the docks. Uh, I think that was the main thing. He, back then, uh, it was only uh, about 50 cents a haircut, so <laughs> he couldn't make a living there. So he worked on the docks mainly. Yeah. You know, but um, and and I'm the only uh, artist that I can think of you know, preceded me. I can't think of any other person that uh, was into the arts other than this dream that I had. Hmm. <laughs> well, then it's such a bold thing to be able to shape a life for yourself as an artist, particularly at that time. You were born, I saw 1930 and 1931. What is your birthday? Well, I believe uh, it's really 1930, mm -hmm. you know? But on paper, it's 1931. Why is there a... Uh, well, you know, in South Carolina, because of the social conditions, mm -hmm. birth certificates weren't issued to black people, mm. you know, so I didn't have one. And so there was a mix-up, uh, you know, as I grew up, you know, grew up, uh, uh, entered school and so on. Mm -hmm. So um, uh, there's a mix-up there, but there's no birth certificate. Did you ever talk to your parents about the circumstances of your birth? Do you know what it was like when you came into the world? Uh, meaning, um, no, not really, no. <laughs> I ask because I actually asked my mom about that recently. Mm. I had in my head, and I don't know where I got the story from, but they told me the specific time of my birth, and so I was doing astrology charts, but mm. you had to know the time around oh. that, and come to find out she didn't really recall. She was talking to me about what it was like to give labor, oh. give labor and how long it took, and she was ready for me to come on out. <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> but, um, but it's just interesting, you know, what is our origin story? Mm -hmm. Well, uh, other than, I think my mother said I was born on a Thursday. Mm -hmm. You know, other than that, uh, you know, I have no, no other information about my birth. No. Well, what a bold mm -hmm. idea it was um, for you to decide to create a life as an artist. How did you decide to do that? It just happened. You know, I was driven to. I couldn't, I, I couldn't think of doing anything else mm -hmm. other than art. That was my life. You know, all my life I was uh, with pencil and uh, the crayon or paint and brush and so on. And uh, later on, I got into sculpture, you know, wood, stone and bronze, you know, but early on it was a painting. Mm -hmm. And I and I think it was at, I think it was about 13 years old. And um, I think it was, uh, yeah, the age of about 13. Uh, that's when my parents... Uh, got me my first oil painting set and I began painting in oils at 13 wow. and then uh, later on I got into the other you know areas in you know, pastels and 
watercolors and then and then finally collages and so on mm-hmm. and um more recently the i guess the la- latest thing i did was printmaking you know etching and lithography mm-hmm. although i did do some uh, woodcuts earlier than that but i i studied uh printmaking at the uh, print um bob blackburn printmaking workshop and uh i had uh, some uh fairly well-known uh, instructors um michael uh uh oh i can't think of, uh uh christian reddy in fact christian reddy uh he was responsible for this technical viscosity printing and a fantastic uh you know printmaking process you know mm-hmm. uh, w- uh which i pass on uh and 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 continue then and th- that work that i created using that technique i use with my um collages now my collages uh, are generally not done out of, uh, from magazines and newspapers and so on they're uh, created from papers uh, uh, with textures and and um, forms that i create on on paper so that's how my collages are made um Another instructor I had there was um, Muhammad Khalil from uh, from Morocco. Yes, and um, there was another Roberto uh, Di La Monica from uh, I think he was from Argentina. Mm-hmm. Those were the three instructors I had at the Bob Blackburn Printmaking Workshop. Where was that workshop held? Well, it was many locations. In fact, I started with them when they were on Twenty uh, Third Street. Then they moved to. Uh, West 17th Street, two locations on West 17th Street. And then finally, uh, well, after that, they moved to West 24th Street. And uh, Bob Blackburn passed away, and the Elizabeth Foundation took over the uh, workshop, and it's now located in uh, on West 39th Street in the building that uh, the Elizabeth Foundation owns. Yes. So that actually um, begins to speak to one of the core questions that animates this project, which is, I wonder, what is the impact that this city has had on people's artistic practices? Um, So having access to that workshop and to those teachers is one way that the city's impacted you. Are there others that you can think of? Well, you know, they have um, what is uh, called the Percent for Art program. Mm -hmm. And... uh, that uh, allowed me, I think it was through the Percent uh, for Art program that it, I got my first big commission, and that was the sculpture at Prospect Park called Peter and Willie. It's a bronze sculpture located in the um, Imagination Playground in Prospect Park. And uh, it's the uh, 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 full-scale uh, full sculpture of a little boy with a dog, and there's a chair involved too, and it's based on the works of Ezra Jack Keats, mm. the uh, author and illustrator, and uh, that was uh, I think that was installed back in 1997, and I got good coverage from that. The New York Times full-page article with my picture with the piece and so on, mm-hmm. so I was happy about that, and um, uh, there were other. Uh, uh, the Kings County uh, Hospital. I got uh, there's a 20 foot mural, that, uh, 22 foot mural I have there. Uh, Kings County Hospital, and um, another commission I got 
not as a result of the city, but from the Dorsey Art Gallery, um, is the a bronze sculpture at the Brooklyn Children's Center. It's located at Bergen Street and Ralph Avenue. It's a two-block state-run facility for young people. Mm-hmm. And I have this um, bronze sculpture in the yard, and it's a life-size piece uh, of a little boy uh, uh, with the uh, turtle and um, a, sh- a shell. And uh, I call it discovery, you know. And I might mention that Emmett Wigglesworth has a 60-foot mural in the building, 60 feet long, hmm. uh, and th- that was painted directly on the wall at the Brooklyn Children's Center. Wow. Yeah. So New York gave you places to go and hone your craft, and it gave you places to put your work. Um, I guess one of the things that, the question that I have really is, so for so many generations, it's been a city that's attracted the best of the best, Mm. you know? There's something about the lore of this city, the community that you're able to create here that's attracted artists from every single discipline over so many years. Um, your circumstance is different because you moved here as a child with mm-hmm. your family. Um, but what do you think that thing about New York City is? Well, I guess uh, it's so many people from so many different locations. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, they come with so many different ideas and so on, and, and the arts and, and other things. And um, and I think th- that's probably why New York is so great, you know, because of uh, all of the different people coming here with different ideas and so on. And uh, we get uh, the um, uh, exposure mm-hmm. from from all of these things, you know, and th- that I think that helps us to grow. What was it that brought your parents here when you were so young? Well, I think uh, they wa- re- relocated because of the uh, uh, social situation and the and jobs and so on. It was very difficult, you know, in the South, you know. And um, so my mother came first uh, for, uh, looking for work. Mm-hmm. And while she was here, probably a couple of weeks, her mother died. My grandmother oh. passed. So my mother came back and it was decided that uh, we all should go back. So she collected my father and my sister and myself and had traveled from New York. Uh, a brother was born after we reached here. Mm-hmm. Yes. And we uh, lived in, in, like I said, downtown Brooklyn. And then we moved to Brownsville and East New York and then finally Bed-Stuy and then now Crown Heights. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Um, was your grandmother the oldest um, person that you remember or were there people before her? Well, uh, my grandmother on my mother's side, she mm-hmm. passed when, like I said, I was about four years old. Yeah. But my grandmother on my father's side, she lived uh, 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 quite long. She was probably in the 70s or 80s when she passed. And uh, she, li- she lived here in New York, moved here, and stayed. And this is where she passed here. What can you tell me about her? What kind of woman was she and what kind of stories did she tell you? Well, uh, uh, she was Native American, mm-hmm. and, you know, my, my father's mother. And uh, I don't think we had too much communication, you know, but uh, she's just a wonderful, beautiful person. Um, 
do you know how many generations before you, you all were in the States or where you're from before that? Other than South Carolina? Mm -hmm. It was only there in New York. <laughs> South Car Carolina and New York. And uh, you know, uh, members of the family moved to different places. Uh, we have in fact, I found out that uh, during the uh, reunions that we have uh, family members all over the country. Mm -hmm. um, uh, North Carolina, Alabama, California, uh, even Sweden. Oh. We have a relative living in Sweden, you know. Uh, there's just a cousin, you know, but um, uh, they're uh, mainly New York, Pennsylvania, Jersey, Virginia, mm -hmm. uh, North Carolina, Alabama, and I'm not too sure, not too, and I think uh, one or two out in California. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, as you think back over the course of your life, which is, you're approaching 89 now, huh? Um, that's what they tell me. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> um, what are the biggest changes that you've seen? I mean, that's a significant arc of time to kind of look back on. What, particularly as it regards to black folk, I think, mm -hmm. what are the biggest changes you've seen and how has that impacted your the work that you've produced? I don't know whether it had too much effect on the work that I'm doing, but I've seen a lot of changes. In fact, there's uh, an interesting story here. I remember uh, when I was about 13 years old, mm -hmm. I went back south visiting, you know, uh, summer. And I remember uh, uh, going uptown uh, with my one my mother's brother, uncle, in the wagon, you know? He used to take, uh, you know, loved to take me because I was new and, you know, he, he favored me over the the, uh, the ones, uh, uh, his uh, nephews mm -hmm. that lived there in, in the Carolinas. Anyhow, uh, we're heading uptown and um, Here's another wagon coming at a tremendous uh, fast speed towards us, you know. And he pulls alongside of my uncle and says, Go back, go back home. And uh, what happened was he explained that there was a, 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 a black man. He was obviously drunk and he was on the train tracks. And this uh, train coming through the town hit him. And he flew off onto the uh, side and struck a white woman, oh. killing her. So uh, this guy said, well, you know, you, you can't go to town now because, uh, they, uh, you know, they probably go uh, grabbing and stringing you up and all that, you know. So my uncle swung around and headed back, uh, you know, to the country. Years later, um, Another visit, and uh, I, you know, was in my uh, my cousin had a, 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 a tailor shop, and so he was there with uh, friends and so on, and we, we were talking, and uh, another guy w walks through, you know, and, and he he comes in all excited. He says, "He says Johnny Taylor just shot some some white man," you know, and I I said, "Oh, guys, oh, don't tell me," you know. They're gonna start, and I couldn't believe it because they said, "Wow, man, hey, whoa!" Before 
like my uh, during the uh, time with my uh, uncle, mm-hmm. uh, trembling with fear, you know. But this time, you know, they didn't seem to, and they they were looking for it, hmm. you know. So it was it was a big change between those years and uh, uh, that time when I was back there, and, and that was probably in the fifties or so. Wow. Yeah, fifties or sixties, maybe the early sixties. And uh, so the attitude, you know, uh, you know, the fear that was there before w- was gone, mm-hmm. you know, and um, you know, so I, I saw the big change there. What do you think about? Um, I mean, this is such a broad question, but as I'm thinking about race relations now, a lot of people have been thinking about this idea that there's this real regression. Mm. Um, how would you characterize it compared to what you've seen over the course of your life so far? Well, there's been change. But uh, uh, it's not uh, as good as it should be at this time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, you know, uh, with the uh, coming of uh, 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 President Obama, everybody thought that this, this is it and so on, you know. But I think that's only led to bigger problems because I think the, the f- other forces, the negative forces in the society, saw that as a threat and I think that's why you have this pool of white nationalism going on because I think they um, gathered their forces together and said look no we can't have that mm-hmm. you know and they you know and that's that's why I think there's a rise in this uh, you know this uh, uh, racism and so on that, that we experience and we read daily in the papers and so on I think it's the direct result of uh, uh, President Obama Mm-hmm. Of becoming what he was, you know, um, and so um, it, it's changed, but uh, it's not as good as it should be at this time. Yeah. So you said um, earlier that the changes that you've seen along the ideas of race in this country haven't necessarily impacted your work. So how would you describe um, the mission of your work? What What is it that you're trying to accomplish with your art? Well, I, I feel I'm just driven. In fact, I I don't have any um, other than to b- produce good art. Mm-hmm. Um, I I think there's other forces that's moving me. You know, I don't think I'm really in charge. Mm. I think there's something else that is driving me, and you know I I do uh, positive works. You know, all my work I believe is designed to uplift people of color, you know, African-Americans, Africans, and so on. And, uh, you know, I, but, um, but I don't, I don't uh, feel I have a, a plan, you know, I think there's like something else that's driving, you know, I, I'm not in charge. What is it driving you towards? I, I don't know. Uh, other than, well, Maybe just uh, uh, fulfilling some need in myself, you know. In doing so, help, hopefully it's helping other people too, you know. But um, uh, I, I don't have a, a, a plan, a set the program where I'm, I, I said, I, well, I'm going to do this, I'm do that, and so on. I'm not, uh, that's not happening with me. But uh, I'm still producing. I feel like if it's not too presumptuous to say, and please correct me if I'm wrong, but um, because mentorship and teaching is such a core part of your practice that um, 
part of what drives you, I would say, is the goal to make sure that other people around you also have the guidance and care they need to be able to explore their own artistic talents and work. Okay, well, that, that's that's something I, I, I am uh, dedicated to passing on things that I know to other people, mm-hmm. you know? And uh, that, uh, you know, uh, that may be a, a goal, you know? But um, other than that, as far as uh, uh, specific art, work and so on mm-hmm. um, I, I, I don't have a plan who mentored you artistically well um, from afar mm-hmm. uh, uh, Jacob Lawrence was an influence on my work mm-hmm. like uh, there's uh, a couple of pieces that uh, I did uh, that's called Hard Edge and they were directly influenced by Jake Lawrence whom I met back in 1950 excuse me 19 19- 1958, when the Fulton Art Fair formed, um, and I, I was fascinated by his work. So some of the work I do uh, came about as a result of that influence. But um, uh, as you know, my work is is all over the place. Mm-hmm. It's so many different styles and uh, approaches, uh, and I, um, you know, I, I love. Uh, and I'm hoping that, uh, like uh, Charles White, he was one of my one of my favorites. And I'm hoping that uh, something his in his work is uh, uh, moved me to uh, try and do something as good as he, you know, uh, and 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 uh, and developing you know different styles. Uh, I, I'm I'm hoping that uh, people like that, Jake Lawrence and Charles White, have somehow motivated me to produce. What about um, the story of Dorsey's Gallery where you currently lead your workshops? What is that story? Well, uh, uh, it probably happened probably late 60s, early 70s uh, uh, that uh, a young lady uh, whom I know uh, was at the Fulton Art Fair, in fact. uh, She said that uh, she had somebody she wanted to meet. And she brought out Dorsey, and he, and uh, he at you know at that time he was doing framing, and he wanted me to come by and, you know, uh, uh, besides you know uh, getting uh, work done, but he wanted me to exhibit some of my work because he had uh, works of artists on the wall. You know, it wasn't a major thing at that time. It wasn't really a gallery. It was just a framing shop, that uh, as a side. You know, he would uh, move uh, works by artists. Anyhow, I, I told him I would, and so, but I kept putting him off. And I think uh, maybe a year or two passed, and one day he came by and he said, "Hey, fellow, when why don't you come by?" You know, and I, so so finally I decided I would, and I'm happy that I did, because it was through Dorsey that I got a chance to meet many many other artists that were doing wonderful things, and. And also, he was able to uh, move uh, some of my, my work, and he collected some. He collected an awful lot. In fact, uh, he passed about eleven years ago now, mm-hmm. and um, some of the works that he had in his collection was uh, uh, auctioned at the Swan Auction House. So, um, and, and like I said, he, he collected quite a bit of my work. Uh, 
wood, stone, and bronze, plus paintings and so on. Yes. Um, so collectors are one major way that artists are able to make it in this world. Um, what do you think, how do you create a life as an artist, a sustainable life mm. as an artist? Well, uh, my main thing is just producing. And uh, the uh, selling of the work is like a, you know, that's, uh, uh, it was just uh, something extra, you know. I really uh, didn't depend on um, the selling of my artwork to make a living. I did work as an artist for the U.S. government. Mm -hmm. I was the head illustrator at the Brooklyn Post Office uh, until I retired. I didn't start that way, but uh, I ended up uh, as the head illustrator, and we um, did work for Brooklyn, Staten Island, and Long Island City. And, um, uh, you know, that, uh, th that was how I managed to eat. Mm -hmm. So I didn't rely on the selling of my work. And uh, I was then and still interested in producing work, not in selling it. You know, so I'm, you know, happy to be able to be as creative a, as I am. Well, I'm not really creative. I, I think I have talent. I think I have talent, but I, I don't think I'm too creative. What is the distinction you're drawing there? Well, uh, uh, th there are people that are able to, you know, create, you know, uh, 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 wonderful things and, you know, uh, out of nowhere. I can duplicate things in things that I see. You know, I can, uh, you know, uh, produce stuff like that. But as far as coming up with ideas and so on, I, I, I'm not too good at that. But I, like I said, I think I have talent. And this is a talent that you cultivated because you're self-taught as an artist, right? Yes, completely self-taught, except in the area of printmaking, mm -hmm. which I mentioned I studied at uh, Bob Blackburn Printmaking Workshop. But in the areas of uh, uh, sculpture, I work in stone, wood, and bronze, and um, all self-taught, and then I paint, oils, watercolors, pastels, acrylic, uh, and, and I do some collages. How did you do that? How did you teach yourself? What has your practice been? Well, just grab the materials. I, you know, hear about something and grab the materials and just try. So a lot of it is experimentation. And what is your daily work like? Work, 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 art, <laughs> art, art. <laughs> yes, well, uh, it's every day is art related. You know, I'm actually maybe uh, producing something in wood, stone, or bronze, or I'm maybe uh, framing something, you know, uh, cutting out. You know, but it's something that's related to art most, most of the days. Um. What does it mean to you to be an artist? Well, it's, it's wonderful. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm glad the Creator chose me to be able to do the things that I do. And the last question I have for you is, um, what, does, what does home mean to you? Home? Well, uh, well, this home, I have a fantastic family, my wife, my son, my daughter, and two grandchildren, you know, mm -hmm. and it's just wonderful just to be around them, you know, yes, I'm happy, and to be able to live in this house and, you know, with the warmth from the family, mm -hmm. I, I enjoy it.
when he asked asked that last question. (laughs) (laughs) But is would you describe art as a home for you as well? Oh yeah, it's it's something I uh, like. I said it's uh, it's something I've done all my life. Mm -hmm. It's something I'm involved in, so I can say consider that a home. Yes, you know, I I lose myself in that home. Mm -hmm. You know, when I I'm working, and as you can see, all around you is art. Thank you, Otto. Well, I thank you. Thank you so much. Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed what you heard, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and rate and review us on iTunes. It helps others discover this show. You can also follow us on the socials at Lineage Podcast and visit lineagepodcast.com for information about live events, to see portraits I've made of our guests, and to become a patron of this broadcast. For more from me, head on over to shawneejamila.com. The inaugural season of Lineage is brought to you by the generosity of our campaign supporters, with special thanks to our founder circle. Amika Carter, Vera Grant, Luanda Hodges, Ayana Minor, Wendell and Helen O'Neill, Romani Rogers, Jimmy and Lee Sutton, Chantal Vera, Stacey Burton-White, and our associate producers, the BK Fam. Graphic design by Tony Moore Images, Original music composed by Cody Got Beats. Yeah.